Whoever is least, the Lord said, is the greatest. And he put a child in their midst and said, if you have to be like this child. In this series that Pastor Aaron is doing uh, today, and he, again, is ill this morning, so we contacted him kind of short notice, which that's what he almost is, uh, to help out. So I'm glad I did pinch it for him this morning. In your series of I Give Up, last week talked about I Give Up Comfort. Today we're talking about I Give Up Pride. I Give Up Pride. This injury that I have right now that's uh, a bit annoying, I, I'm not able to lie down at all, and so I, 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 my wife duct, duct tapes me to the wall to stand to sleep, but no, she doesn't, but I, I sleep in a chair right now, and, and, and it's weird how, how pain and stuff and discomfort kind of messes with your thought pattern sometimes as far as focusing, so I'll do the best I can uh, this morning for our Lord and, and to share the message that I prepared for you. Uh, this day. There's kind of two types of pride, I think. Two types of pride. There, there is one type of pride that, that is a matter of a, of a feel-good pride. Not, not a sinful thing whatsoever. But when you accomplish something, and you get done, and you've worked hard, and you, you take a look back and say, I feel good about it's not a sin. You know, God gives us abilities, and that's why we applauded for Kelly with a thousand point club. You know, what a, what a great thing. That's not, a, that's not a sinful thing to recognize somebody's accomplishment and say, that just feels good. I, with, with my injury, I spent a lot of time at home, which I usually am not in the house all the time. And so it's amazing how much Olympics were live from between one in the morning and six. My, my wonderful rest time. And I really got caught up in the Olympic Games uh, this year, having the time to watch, watch it because I couldn't do anything else. And, and it's interesting to watch the, the, the pride people have in their accomplishments. And, you know, we, we think about it in the standpoint of saying, well, you go for the goal. They have worked four years, some of them, all their lives for a few moments, a few moments, and there's a handful of them that, that get the accomplishment of a gold medal. But tonight when the closing ceremony happens, and you see the celebration of the best athletes in their field all together at one place, the pride isn't about who won gold, who won silver, who won bronze, who didn't get anything. The pride is just to say, we gave it our best. There was one skater that said, I left everything on the ice. Wasn't good enough, but I, I gave it my best. That's not a sinful type of pride. Yeah. This may sound dumb to you, I, I, I'm proud when I get my lawn mowed. I know that's a long ways off right now. You know, just look out the windows. It takes me about seven hours to mow my lawn. I do it by hand. It's a hundred foot vertical job. I'm not sure how many acres I mow, but I walk behind my brush off. It takes me seven hours. And in my retirement, my wife said, why do you have to do it all at one time? Why don't you mow for an hour and a half and leave the mower, sit there and do another hour and a half the next day instead of beating yourself up for seven hours? I says, I, I can't do it that way. I need to go out and get it done, and then I sit on my deck, and I go, I 
to that. And it, and it feels good. But that's not the kind of pride we're talking today about. I give up pride. Because there's another type of pride that we're born with and that we wrestle with, you and I, every single day of our lives. It is the pride that puts self before everything else. And it's daily, isn't it? Daily. That kind of pride, that sinful pride, that, that's kind of blind to everything. When I think about it in my life, and maybe you do yours, that kind of pride, when it has a hold of us and it tries every single day to do so, and most of the time it wins, that kind of pride denies God. You know, you shall have no other gods before me, and my sinfulness is one of that. Right? It denies God. And it certainly gets filtered down quickly to say, well, what about the needs of others? Right? And it denies that if we're so worried about self, that sinful nature gets the best of us. You know, we have to learn. We have to learn from our Lord. I have to learn from my Lord every single day of my life. Here you have the divine Son of God in his plan for salvation to come to earth as a human being. We know all of the things. You just read the creed or spoke it from memory that says he came in, was born of a virgin, he suffered, he lived, he died, crucified, all of that. And he looked and he, he gave up the aspect of his divinity in his life on earth in many respects. It says, your attitude, Paul says in Philippians 2, your attitude should be the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And Paul said that's why God has highly exalted him. This perfect, this perfect Jesus, the Holy One of When I was growing up and my brothers and I, you know, we were the preacher's kids. And in the neighborhood, everybody knew you were the preacher's kids. Most of the people in the neighborhood went to the church that my dad was pastor at. And we had a neighbor lady, Mrs. Becker, and I felt sorry for her sons. Because the sons knew the Weber boys better than Mrs. Becker did. And they hated hearing from their mother. I wish you could be more like the Weber boys. Because <laughs> you're going, Mom, if you only knew, you wouldn't be saying that. And I couldn't help but think, how do you like to be a young kid the same time Jesus was a young kid and had him for a next door neighbor in Nazareth and hearing your mom going, why can't you be more like Joe and Mary's kid? He's so perfect. <laughs> Pride. 
the lesson that we just had from the gospel follows the aspect that Jesus took Peter, James, and John and they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. When the scripture starts for the day that said they came down from the mountain and the next day, they had just seen the almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent God in Jesus Christ with Moses on one side, Elijah on the other, so bright, and they said, when we saw it, we don't want to go back down. Let's stay here. This is, this is so incredible. And Jesus said, I have to die. I have to come off of this hill and this mountain to climb another one, and it's coming soon. Soon I will be handed over to the hands of sinful men and be offered as the sacrifice for the world. They came from that. They saw the healing. They saw the power. They saw the glory. And where did the disciples end up? Arguing amongst themselves. Which one of us is greatest? Sinful pride. And Jesus knew what was in their hearts. And he took a child, a young kid, and put him in their midst and said, Here. He knew what they were thinking. And he said, If you want to be great, you need to make yourself the least. That you live the faith and point others to me. No greater love can one man have for another. Then he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus gave it all that I and you and our selfish pride and daily sin can forgive and, and, and restore and right up to the point that just a handful of hours before Jesus Christ was mocked, crown of thorns, beaten, crucified right before, just a few hours before. He stooped down with a towel and a basin of water and he, their Lord and God and Savior, scrubbed the disciples' feet. One of the worst jobs there is to do. And he said, you go and do likewise. A lot of things have changed in our lifetimes, haven't it? Attitudes and things like that. There's one thing that hasn't changed, and that's God's law and his word for us. God's law still stands for us as a guide to follow. You know, you shall have no other gods before me, and yet we do. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we don't. Because pride, the sinful kind, is at the central location of our human condition. When I was 27 years old, that's a long time ago, I'll be 66 coming up soon, I had just graduated from the seminary and got placed in the UV over in Chatham outside of Unison as a pastor. I was here for seven years. Boy, I came in there going, I'm going to make a difference here, you know. 
First thing I did, by the way, for you young kids, I, I stopped giving grades at confirmation. One elder never adjusted to that, but I stopped giving grades at confirmation because I was a struggling student all my life with my own ADD kinds of things that I deal with yet to this day. And I looked at it to see how, I had one kid in my first confirmation, I gave a test the way they said to give it, and there was a kid that was sitting there and he was arguing for a higher A. <laughs> Meanwhile, the kid that gets D's doing his best in school is gonna get D's at church. And what a horrible feeling that is for a young person to come to church and go, I'm feeling or I'm doing poor in my faith. So I scrapped all of that and said, there are no grades here. And that elder came around that first year when he heard the testimony of that young man instead of a question and answer thing in front of the congregation the way it used to be. And he heard from that young man how much Jesus Christ meant to him. But there was one Sunday morning, small church in Chatham, Kristen Wanala, who's a member here, was a little girl and her brother Craig. I don't know if she remembers this. She's not here this morning in this service. We opened Sunday school in the midst of the sanctuary with Sunday school and all that music. And I had my guitar and I'd sing and all that. And then they'd take the offerings and then they'd go down to the basement area where they just had partitions and have Sunday school. And this one nervous mom came up to me. I was just starting to teach adult Bible class in the community room. She goes, Pastor Weber, somebody stole the offerings from Sunday school. I was 27 years old. I said, what? She said, they're not on the altar. They were there, but they're gone. I was righteously angry. And this kind of laid back appearing young pastor went down and I hauled every single kid out of every single Sunday school class and I said, upstairs into the church, and the staff was like, he's lost his mind, and I got them all up there, and we filled the pews up, and I gave them what I thought they deserved. And I was loud, and I was angry, and I said, how dare somebody take the offerings, and Ted and I was, well, I was going at it really good, I thought. And I finally shouted, do you all understand? And this one young mom, real meek person, put her hand up and said, they're in your desk drawer, Pastor. <laughs> I, I saw them on the altar and didn't think they should be left out. <laughs> and this 27-year-old Pastor went behind the ears. Apologized to all of those little children and to the teachers. And then I walked to the end of the aisle and I got down on my knees because they were little kids. And I hugged every single one of them and said, I'm sorry. It's time to give up pride. You know, you'd think I'd learn after all these years. You think you'd learn after all these years? How often do we think we are righteous in our anger? 
and we let that run its course, and we're dead, dead wrong. How long will it take for us to realize that we judge others when the only one that will be the final say is God himself? And to stop judging others who are different of opinion or beliefs and to stop judging as we think we should judge. You'd think we'd learn how long will it take us to realize that we can't just keep loving ourselves and living lives that are selfish before God and before other people. How long will it take me to learn that when I live in sinful pride as I do every single day, as do you, that when that happens, and it will again, that publicly that is a denial of God himself in our lives, and the needs of others that go by us without anything. Today I just want to say, Lord, I give up. I give, I give up. How long will it be? You know what, my brothers and sisters? Maybe that cry of I give up is the greatest step of faith that we can take because it is a recognition of our constant sin before our God and the fact that we can only go to one place and that's back to him for his mercy. I am thankful that when I give up and give it to God that that places my life and your life in the hands of the Creator, in the hands of the potter, to reform, to reshape, to renew, to give new life, that even though God knows that this day I'm gonna stumble and fall again and again, I'm still His, and He still grants me forgiveness in Him who gave it all for me and for you. I feel good in Him, and only in Him. You may have wondered why the baptismal font is at the end of the aisle. I moved it there, well I did. Thank you to those who did. You know when we built this church and moved in a number of years ago, that's where the baptismal font was intended originally. It is an early church custom to have the baptismal font at the entrance of a sanctuary where when you baptized into the Christian faith, you are entering into this relationship with God and for one another. And when you leave, via your casket or an urn of ashes, it's the last thing your loved ones pass as you are laid to rest to say you were a child of God in Christ by his doing. And, and over the course of those first few baptisms and the commotion of being in the way, I guess, we ended up moving it back up here a number, well, quite a few years ago now. It has water in it today. I want you, when you leave church today, to dip your hand in that water. First of all, as a reminder, 
a reminder of your baptism that God claimed you in Christ and that in him you are a new creation. The old is gone, including sinful pride, and the new has come. I ask you to do that as a reminder. Dip your fingers in it or your hand. Touch it to your forehead as it happened maybe in your own bat baptism. But at the same time, at the same time as you leave this church, and as you feel the waters of baptism remembers whose child you are, I want you to see it as a command from God again. To love him first. And to love others as you love yourself. May God bless you in that. Lord, I give up. Thank you for forgiving me. And give me a new chance in this day.